Hello and welcome to another episode of the Future Hospitality Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Wells, joined today by co-host Dustin Myers. We are partners at Longitude Branding, a hospitality branding and experience design agency. At Future Hospitality, our goal is to interview the brightest minds in the industry, gathering insights, ideas, and inspiration to share with you. In this episode, we chat with Patrick Thompson, principal at Patrick Thompson Design, an award-winning Detroit-based design studio specializing in hospitality, retail, residential, higher education, and workplace environments. During our chat, we'll see what Patrick's formative years were like as a young designer, find out how he and his team are impacting people's lives through well-designed spaces, and learn why he's chosen to make Detroit his home again. Well, let's go ahead and dive in. Patrick, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we are. We're excited to get to chat with you today. Um, just seeing some of the work in your portfolio and uh, the more we've gotten to know you, it's just some really cool uh, projects and it seems like a really, a really cool team doing stuff out of Detroit. So maybe for our listeners, just kind of give us a little bit of background on uh, how you got to where you are and um, a little bit more about your team. Sure. Well, thank, I, I want to say thank you guys for the opportunity. Um, when you first reached out, I was excited. And then when I dug in and saw kind of what you guys do and saw your portfolio, I was even more excited because it's always very nice to talk to fellow creatives, especially fellow creatives that are business owners, because I think we have a lot of you know similarities and a lot of things that a lot of crossover. So um so yeah, uh, PTD, Patrick Thompson Design, started uh, 2009 is when I decided to um, start the company. Always grew up in a very creative family with you know artistic parents and woodworking father, um, material culture junkie, antique addict, museum curator, mother, um, and just really always had a very appreciation, a strong appreciation for craftsmanship and the built environment and kind of material culture from a very young age that led me, you know, I, I had, I had gone to school for historic preservation and then I landed back in Chicago and went back to school for interior design, worked at a, um, was very fortunate to work for a great design firm in Chicago when they had just started. It was Simeone Deary design group. They're now a, a pretty big hospitality design firm. They're out of Chicago, but they're doing stuff on a national level. They're, pretty large, uh, large firm, but it was, it was a female owned business owned, uh, ran by two women that really, uh, you know, they were just phenomenal to work for. And it really it kind of what cemented my, my idea and kind of my, my comfort in, in this industry and knew that I had landed what I want, where I wanted to, where I wanted to be was there for about five years in Detroit it was Detroit was calling. It was always my home. And I knew I would return at some point. I just wasn't sure when, but it was, I think I came back in 2006, 2007 ish and came back right in the middle of the, you know, the recession and there were, there weren't many job opportunities. And so, you know, I, I started PTD. I couldn't really, I didn't have any other options and I figured this would be something to, you know, supplement side jobs. I was doing some gig, you know, as, as a carpenter and just, so I just, I decided to give this a whirl and I, but I decided to take it real serious at the same time. I, I, Helped a friend like barter by helping her design her store in trade. She designed my logo. I helped a friend do some work at his house. He he photographed my own personal loft that I had bought, my parents' basement that I had just kind of like faked my way through, 
you know, I, when I was a carpenter years ago, I had done their basement, but then, you know, I borrowed furniture and styled it and had it photographed. And I came up with this makeshift website that looked a lot more professional than it really was. <laughs> um, it was, it was great, you know, and none of these were paid projects, but people didn't know that. Yeah. And I think 2009 is when I got my first real commission to do, uh, it wasn't a friend at the time. He's a great friend now, but they hired me to do his, his kitchen. And I, I, because of my carpentry background and construction background, I decided to GC it and design it. And it, it's, you know, it's still on the PTD site today. And it was one of my first projects and it was just me at the time, but one, I think one of the most important projects, it taught me kind of about client, you know, how to, how to work with clients, but it also taught me that I didn't want to be a GC. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And now here we are. We're a 10 person firm based in the city of Detroit. I always wanted to be in the city and um, we're doing work all over the state of Michigan and some stuff out of the state, but um, primarily hospitality design firm, about 60% of our businesses, hospitality. And then we still do a, a good amount of high-end uh, residential, but um, some corporate interiors, some retail, but primarily hospitality, hotels and restaurants. That's really neat to hear that journey. You know, as you went through those, you know, those formative years of your career and kind of uh, learning the ropes um, and then kind of diving into, you know, venturing out on your own and then doing these initial projects. And um, what was the, you know, what was the path from, you know, starting in just like these um, residential um, designs and, and things like that and then moving into larger scale hospitality projects and, and what sort of, what did that path look like? And then also, you know, what is it about um, hospitality projects that, that you enjoy or that you that interests you the most, you know, that's a large port piece of your guys' work and portfolio that you do. You said it's 60%, but you know, what is, what is it about hospitality that um, you really enjoy from a design standpoint? I guess for me and kind of the, the message that I put out there for the office and, and for clients too is, whether it's, you know, I think hospitality design, it, it's kind of a given for, for everything, whether it's an office or a home or a restaurant or a, and really it's, you know, we have the ability to, I guess, impact and improve the lives of people through space. And I know that sounds, it's really like a huge honor. Like, I feel like it's an honor to be able to use what I think is the talent that I've been given to serve others. And um, that's always been my my thought behind, I was raised like in this house where it's like, if you do what you love and you do it for the right reasons, whatever's supposed to happen is going to happen, whether it's supposed to bring you, you know, the ability to have a career. And I've always, that's just what's always drawn me to design is really, I love people. I love people. I love being social. I love things. I love collecting things, everything from pens to chairs to artifacts to clothes to bags to watches. I jewelry. I, I just all, everything. I, I just, I love the collection of things. I love seeing people's collections. I love hearing the story where things come. And I love like seeing the culmination of how things can be brought together. Um, and then really like problem solving. I'm this person who thinks he can always help everyone, even when they don't always want <laughs> help. Um, so in, in really design and hospitality design gives me the opportunity to bring all those things together. Like what could be better than to create a space where people can come together, eat, sleep, play, and they just are, they feel special. They feel they have this warmth around them. And, and, and me and my team can, and can create that, that, that moment in time for them. So that's always been 
the driving force behind why I do what I do. And really to go back to your question, like I did start do, I never wanted to do, I don't know about residential is a different beast because it's even more intimate, right? You're in people's homes, you're in people's closets, you're in people's bathrooms and their kitchens, but that's even more of an honor. Like you're, you're asking me to help you design this thing that you touch every single day or sit in every single day or sit underneath and the lights got to feel right when you sit and read a book to your child. And so I never really looked at it. I've always said like the design process for me, whether you're doing a home or a restaurant or a piece of furniture, like we do follow the same, the same process. And so for me, the jump was like, when I told you before, like I decided to commit to my business hardcore with the website, with, I joined IIDA, um, I got on the board of it. I passed the NCIDQ. I, I did all, I, all these certifications, which I think were more for me to raise my confidence, to have the confidence to, to do this. Um, but then also, like I, had to, I decided to get out of my home office. I joined a small business incubator space um, in Detroit. And the people that set that up, they gave me... they like It was called the DC3, the Detroit Creative Corridor Center. And like an ad agency had come to them and said, hey, we're coming to Detroit we need to find some space. And the person who started that, that incubator said, well, here's, here's a landlord, here's a building you might want to look at, but also here's, here's a, young, a young designer who just started his business that I think could be a good fit. And like, so right away, so it was like b- between 2009 and 2011, I was doing some residential stuff, but I, I didn't turn down anything. Um, I, I would, anything, I, w- I, was, I was always raised in a household where I was like, I would just, my dad is the same way. He would say, yeah, yeah, I can do it. And then he'd go home and go, oh, shit, I got to figure out how I'm going to do this. And that's the <laughs> same way I built this business, which I wish I could tell you that it was like hours of spreadsheets and business plans, but it wasn't. No. Yeah. And so, I, I think that's the story for a lot of people, especially in the creative side is uh, it's, it's not uncommon to hear that I started, I started this business because I was afraid that nobody would hire me, yeah. um, which is kind of how I started. And then just seeing that evolution and progression of like doing what you love. I love the ethos behind um, kind of your mindset and just do what you love, do it for the right reasons. And um, what's going to happen is going to happen. I think that's. Yeah. I, and I, I, you know, I I try to live my life that way. I really do. Cause it's so easy to get, I mean, you can worry yourself out of doing anything. Anyone can, you know, um, you know, when I was at that firm in Chicago, I loved the women that I worked for, but our design aesthetics were not aligned. And I remember being like an intern there my first year and being really pissed off that the things I was selecting weren't making it into projects. <laughs> and like, yep. they were kind of like, dude, you're still in school. You've been here for, for nine months. Like it doesn't work like that, you know, but, <laughs> and I knew, and I didn't think I'd have my own firm. I just, I knew that I would want to be a creative director at a firm because I always thought that like, I have a really nice way of getting information out of people, which is how I view problem solving for what they want for their home, their restaurant or their workplace. And then like really kind of just, I don't know. I just think I have an an empathy for like an empathetic way of, of listening to people and then kind of showing them, here's what I heard. And it, it generally, it seems to be very well received. Yeah. That's definitely an art form um, and extremely valuable for those who are good at it. I'm curious how you approach different projects. Do you, as a team, do you guys have like a set formula um, that you follow each time going into something new or does each one require its own process? How, how would you describe how you approach projects? 
Yeah, I think we have. So it's funny that you say that because I have just recently hired a a business coach to help us kind of put together some metrics to measure milestones and successes. And one of the big questions was how do we, in design, how do we measure the quality of the work or if it's a presentation or how, how do you do that? So he asked me to put together a kind of write down the process and what I want because and, and how I think it should go. And this was just like a big brain dump for me. And it made me realize that we do have a, a, a process and I'm not sure that I've always done the best job of making sure there's a few key people that have been with me for like years, you know, and they're a bit of kind of crazy Patrick mind readers. So they know, um, but I would say to go back to your question, yes, there, there's very much a process, whether it's at the beginning information gathering and research of whether it's a building, whether it's a home, whether it's a space, like to go through some basics, like when was it built, who lived here, who occupied it, why was it built, what were its uses? Like really for me, you know, we have to, you know, I know it's a bit cliche to talk about storytelling and the narrative, but it's really, it's not like I, that was the cool thing about that firm in Chicago. I mean, should I still talk about it? And I worked there, you know, 15 years ago, 16 years ago. And, and the concept, the concept design, you know, we do a pretty heavy concept when we pitch to a client and that's our most important process because that's probably where I have the most skin in the game. That's after I've met the client. After I've seen the space, I came back to the office. We have as-built drawings. We have we we sit down and we say, okay, like where are the opportunities? What did, what did you hear? What do you think these people look at these different um, resources they gave us? Here's some resources. This this made me think of this. So it's this giant brain dump that in kind of our design concept kickoff charrette, and that's where I guess the special sauce comes out. And in in and I have to be part of that. I'm because it's too important for me not to be part of it because I'm generally the person who I step away with a lot of the, the, the technical stuff because, you know, I'm, I'm doing other things, but when I'm explaining to a client, why I think this, why, why, why they should do this, like I have to really believe it. I'm not, I, I can't like sell bullshit. And so that, that concept is super, super important. So that that's where everything really happens. And we have the big ideas and there's some trial and error. Sure. But once we get it, we get it. We present it to the client and like they almost, we, we're not like an option one, option two, option three firm. We're not, we, we have all those in the folder on the, on the table, you know, under the table or on the chair. So if the client reacts to something, then we, we can pull something out and say, yeah, well, we looked at that too. Here's what we think. But we usually lead with one the big idea and kind of our solution early on. And concept is really just materials, plans, big ideas, sketches. And, uh, you know, and then that gives the client something to react to. And then if they like it, it becomes kind of our Bible for the project, because as designers, you guys know, you can start here by the time the project gets done. It's like, Oh my God, that, how did we end up here? We pull that concept out throughout like at schematic at DD, even during construction documentation, even like at the end with artwork curation, like we keep pulling out concepts so we can say, okay, the client approved this. This was our vision at the beginning. Are we still on track? And you know what? I could almost pull up most of our completed portfolio work and then look at our conceptual direction. And I'll bet you, you can see, I bet you can still, I haven't done that in a while. I used to do it all the time, but you can still see that it's still very much in line with where we started. So I think that's a long answer to your question, but yeah, we, you know, we follow the traditional phases, but in our office, you know, there's a lot of freedom for people to, to go off on their own, but 
I usually have check-in points, my, you know, specifically with me before they go too, too far, just to make sure that I, that I still feel like it's what I heard at that initial meeting. No, that's really cool. Yeah. And just hearing you describe that process, I can see a lot of parallels with kind of how we approach things from a branding standpoint and making sure that there's a clear vision at the outset, which kind of helps decision-making throughout the entire process, making sure that you're supporting the greater strategy and not um, just going off on tangents and getting off track. So or just doing stuff because it's cool. Like, yeah, you want it to be cool. We want it to be creative. We want it to be beautiful. We want, you know, we want, it, but obviously it's got a function, but it's, it's not about like, it's not for us, it's for them. Right. And so that's why I think that, I guess I always, I kind of pride our interview process on being fairly informal, but it's actually extremely thought through in the way that, you know, it's no different than what you're doing with, you know, with me right now, the questions that you're, you know, you're making pull, you're asking me questions that some of this stuff I, I don't take the time to think about, but I definitely have answers to, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's really cool. Patrick, I, you know, just looking at your website and, you know, your portfolio of work and seeing the clients you've worked with and, and beginning to hear some of those, those stories and whatnot, like it's really inspiring. First of all, your work is just like beautiful and, and awesome. And, you mentioned like traveling to visit sites and and how your team kind of approaches um, the process. You you dove in a little bit to that. I, I'm just kind of curious too. And and you know, you you're based in Detroit, and um, you know your team is based there. Uh, why? I guess kind of twofold. Why Detroit? You know, what kind of led you there, and what brought you there, and what do you love about that city? And um, and then two, how is like the travel related to projects and um, being able to do site tours and things like that. How has that been impacted, especially over the last 12 months for your team? And, and what sort of changes have you had to make there? Um, so the why Detroit part is fairly, you know, I, I was born, I was born here. So I, I inherited it. You know, it's, you know, I always, um, it was, I've always like, I've been pretty fortunate to, you know, my, my mom was from the East coast, but my dad was from here. So I always got a chance to travel to other places, not a crazy amount of travel at a young age, but not until I got like in my teens. But so I knew I wanted to come back here because there's something, one, my family was here. The funny part is I came back and now my parents live in Massachusetts. My brother lives in LA and my sister <laughs> in Kentucky. And I'm now here with a family, with a family of like young kids. And I have no, no family here at all, which is hilarious that, that, that turned out that way. But I was in Chicago and I, I loved it. It was an awesome city and tons of just amazing things to be inspired by and stuff. But I was reading all the stuff happening here. And, you know, I just always, I felt like it was an opportunity to be a part of something to help, like, you know, make a splash for my name, you know, for myself. And, but at the same time, like do things that, you know, that really do make a difference in, in people's lives. And the city has so much to offer in terms of its architecture and, it's music and it's beauty. Um, but in a lot of ways, you know, the people here always have been what is so special. And you ask any about anyone about that. You ask anyone who's lived in New York or in came to Detroit stuff, people here welcome out of towners for the most part with open arms. And it's got a very, very much a can do attitude, you know, roll up your sleeves and go for it. And people really, really want to help. And it's just, and I, and, and I experienced that right away when I came back, you know, every time that I was, when I was doing something, you know, I told you about with my, my original, when I started my company, like 
people's willingness to help and to recommend and to refer. Um, it was just like nothing I had ever experienced before. And it still exists. I mean, it's still very much that kind of town where people want us, they want a success story. They want that in Detroit and they want to be a part of it. They want to help. And it's just, just a really friendly place to be. Um, and for the most part, people, you know, it's always been a design town, you know, with the automobile and stuff. But at the same time, I think like, I don't want to say it, it always, it was like this rust belt town where it had this grittiness to it. And I saw that there was an opportunity to kind of take that to still to polish the grid a little bit and do beautiful spaces, but still honor like where we, where, you know, who we are and where we came from, you know, you got to start with the history to, you know, and then, it, and then people, they kind of buy what you're selling when there's truth and heart behind it. And that's just very much how this town is, you know? And, you know, we got a great airport and I mean, Detroit, like Southeastern Michigan is, is huge. You know, Detroit itself is only like 700,000 people, but Southeastern Michigan is like over 3 million people. So it's a pretty, you know, big, you know, metropolitan area. It's spread out, you know, it's couldn't be more <laughs> a, a, a better case study for, you know, sprawl. So, but yeah. there's a lot of, you know, it's similar to like Los Angeles in some ways, you know, like with the downtown, but then all of like the little neighborhoods and the pockets and the boroughs that are technically Metro Detroit, but they're all, you know, here you're just, you're still a Detroiter. I mean, people that live in the city limits would, punch me if they heard me say that. That is pretty interesting. As you, you know, as you're mentioning that, like how you've kind of tried to even bring a little bit of that grittiness to your team and the designs you guys are doing, like as I'm looking through your portfolio, even right now, as we're talking, like I can see that coming through in a lot of the designs and that's really, really cool. And I'm always just curious. The reason I asked about Detroit, you know, you could, you could probably be anywhere. And I'm always interested to hear why people land where they're at. Uh, you know, we had Zach Kupperman on a couple, a few podcasts yeah. ago and he's in the New Orleans area and just loves that city. And it's kind of cool to hear how people either come back to their roots or migrate and kind of go to a new, new area and want to make an impact in that area. So um, I think that's really neat to hear kind of. Yeah. New Orleans and Detroit have a lot of, you know, a, a lot of the yeah. similar struggles and the yep. same, you know, I mean, I, I just, I can't, you know, I mean, I don't know. There's just something about the people here that here, it's a very special place to do something in your own backyard is very special. And like that, the craftsmanship here is ridiculous. The amount of artists and, and here it's, you know, it's affordable to, to do some of the things that you want to do, like even project wise, you know, and like you, you need some, something fabricated, you know, or you need something made custom. Like there's someone who is, started a new business that has that same kind of idea that you do and that I do that wants to do whatever it takes because they want to like get their shit out there and they want to make something. And it's not always about the amount of money they, they make doing it. And those are the kinds of people you want to partner with. You don't, you know, you want people to be able to put food on their table, but at the same time, it's a really nice collective of people, craftsmanship, craftsmen and artists and makers that like just want to make stuff and think it's so cool to be and it's very i mean it's just a very it's always been like that here but now i think it's even elevated anymore it's beyond like only making things out of found you know found objects you know now things are much more sophisticated and even some of these new restaurants and hotels that you're seeing and and stuff here all of these same guys and and women that were making stuff before that made you know they're doing it now and they're it's it's kind of like their hard work and doing stuff, you know, as favors, it's, it, it's paying off now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, kind of shifting gears a little bit. So we're all aware of what's gone on in the last year. I'm always curious to talk to designers in what they think is going to change or maybe what you have changed as far as how you're designing spaces, if any of the pandemic has uh, caused you to rethink or pivot. I think designers, in a way, kind of shape culture and shape human behavior. So I'm just curious your thoughts on that topic. Oh, the big, the big what, what now COVID. <laughs> you knew it was coming. Yeah. So it's funny, at the beginning... You know, in, in back in February and March of last year, everyone was kind of in denial. A lot of the clients were in denial about it, right? And the, the, your risk takers are willing to still keep moving forward. And I think now they're singing a little bit of a different song and stuff. And you know, before it's hey, you know, here's a here's the floor plan, here's the layout, here, you know, here's we we've split your tables up into you know groups of four with you know six feet distance, and we've you know things like this. And I think. Yes, we're noticing like people's desire to pack as many people in obviously is changing, right? Um, I think the big question that, you know, so so we haven't done a ton of like COVID plans. I think that in hospitality and restaurant design, and I think there is a certain amount, even with, you know, a flexibility that always goes into it anyway, because for the ability for private parties or people for, for a two-top or for large groups. So I think what we do generally is, pretty flexible already. Um, but I do agree with you. Designers have the ability to kind of like shape culture and the way we react to things becomes essentially kind of, I hate to say the new normal, but that's, you know, but so on our end, we're, we're I guess we are, we are already, we're doing that. We're just, we're seeing less seats in restaurants and we're seeing groupings that are a little bit, we already, you know, I think in hospitality spaces, hotel lobbies and stuff like that, you already were seeing things shift because of the way people are going out into smaller intimate groups anyway. So a lot of that was we were doing and we're just giving a little bit more, more negative space. Um, obviously your takeout windows, your carry out, your curbside, that's all coming up now. And it's going to become, instead of it being so reactionary, it's, we're seeing it already get designed into the plans we're, we're bringing that up because a lot of that stuff is going to stay and whether it's because of people's fear of going out or people have just realized how convenient it is to pull up and have, you know, craft cocktails and a beautiful dinner just brought to their car. You know, um, a lot of this, you know, I, you'll see that a lot of these businesses that have managed to weather the storm here um, are going to be the ones that are going to, they're going to come out on the end just because they were so creative with how they still made it all about the people. Um, I was reading this article and I, and it's, it was the, the CEO of Herman Miller. And she said, you know, you have a lot of, you have some big firms, she was talking about workplace, but big firms are saying, you know, kind of in denial, we're going back just the way we were. And then you have like the dot coms or like the Silicon Valley that are like, what do we need offices for? We're never going back. And it's going to be somewhere in the middle. And one of the interesting things that, that she had said was probably what people are going to do in restaurants and hotels. And I don't know what it is yet. And I don't know if anyone knows yet. And in workplace is while people were gone, there's going to be all this information and data collected to say, what did people miss the most? And that's what designers are going to be designing for. Like what people miss the most when they couldn't have their normal creature comforts, you know? Did I answer your question at all? 
Yeah, that's that's a really good way to look at it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, just caring for people, and that that that's been the big thing. Um, yeah, I mean, for restaurants, for hotels, for workplace, I think a lot of ways this is like this time is a lot of people have have shown their their true colors in terms of like our people first, and people that are in, in businesses and in employers and stuff that are putting their people first. I think that those are going to be the ones that are going to have the recipe for success and really understand like what that outcome is going to be and have that sensitivity. To, to what is is going to need to happen to to work because people are going to still want to go out I mean people are going to still want to go to dinner but people are going to you know because I was, I was asking in the office today I was like asking a few people what do you miss the most and Heather you know she was saying well I think like for me it's the people that I go out to dinner with and I was saying you know for me it's like it's walking in and, and seeing whether it's a bartender or a server or someone who's a complete stranger and have sharing a moment and then leaving and saying goodnight to someone. And even if it's those two moments, like that's what I miss the most is like the interaction with, with strangers. So it's going to be really interesting to see what, what how that's going to, because I still think we're going to need, need both. I know everyone's saying it's going to be all technology. Everything's on your app, but even your younger generation, most people are craving just, human connection. So I think that, I think it'll be more planned. Um, I think that there will be more, there will be more planning to go out to dinner. There'll be less just popping in somewhere. It's going to be more planned events. Um, but I still think that you're going to get a lot of that same um, connection that people are really craving. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. You know, as you, as you look over the last years since you started uh, PD, PDT back in 2009, um, or sorry, PT, PTD. Sorry, I got it mixed up. Um, back in two thousand nine, and, and do I? I said my middle name is Delane, so you're actually. Hey, correct. it works. Oh, works both ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what you've built over the years, not only in just the designs you've you've been a part of, and the projects you've been a part of, and the cool things you've made. Um, what would you say is, is something that you're just most proud of when kind of looking over the last, you know, now I guess it's been about, you know, 12 years or so. Um, what would you say is your, you're most proud of you and your team? So I was thinking about that. Honestly, I would say it's, it's the team We're the way that we all work together and we're just a family and the way, and, and I really, I really, really mean that. Like, that is what I am by far the most proud of is because I never really managing people is very, very challenging. Um, And learning how to empower these people and these remarkable people and let them kind of bring ideas to the table, but, and still, I don't know. I'm, I'm just very, very proud of how well we all work together, especially in this, you know, this past year, it's really, really brought out a lot of interesting things in all of us in, in terms of personality types and strengths and weaknesses. And we've learned a lot about each other and, and it's easily, I'm, I'm most proud of the team and a lot the core team has been, I mean, there's one person who's been here for eight years or maybe seven years, another one for four or five. And I mean, everyone else is about four or five with a couple of like, you know, one to two years in there. And, you know, I'm always happy for someone that wants to move on as well. But for the most part, like our core team has been our core team. And it's really, um, it's just remarkable how well we work together and kind of read each other's minds. You know, it's been really, it's really nice and comforting to do it with them and to to be this family. So 
Yeah, it's really awesome. I'm curious, just seeing your work and seeing the final outputs, uh, I know it's not easy for a project to start out in the right direction, stay on the right direction, actually be completed with the vision in mind um, when you get all the different aspects involved, all the different stakeholders, decision makers, all the different vendors and everything that's involved. What have you learned over the years or maybe what, what has been a success or failure in keeping that vision all the way through to the execution to the final product? I think one of the biggest successes has been learning. You know, there's some design firms out there that have the ability and maybe they have the, the budgets or the clients that allow them to not, and maybe I'm wrong, but to, to not budge on anything. I guess knowing when to, that's always the secret, right? Knowing what to fight for and when to let go and learning how to really not be an obstacle on the project, but still keeping your sense of respect, you know, cause you can get, you know, contractors want to throw people under the bus to owners, owners, you know, and it, it can get, you know, it can be, a, you guys probably understand it can be a really, you know, tumultuous relationship at times. And that can be stressful. And I tend to be, you know, you can take that stuff personally, but I think like some of the biggest successes is really realizing that we all are trying to get to the same spot. Everyone might have a really different way about getting there, but being understanding of, of people and maybe not always assuming the worst and giving people the benefit of the doubt when you can, you know, now that's easy for me to say on this call, like fast forward to a week from now when we're fighting with a contractor on like a bar, a bar, like, counter detail or a light fixture where someone just made a decision to order something. But I guess knowing that's really like, it's hard to measure it if it's a success or failure, but there's been plenty of those where there's somewhere it's like, okay, I, I'm glad that we kind of, you know, let the hair on the back of our necks, you know, go down and go in, you know, with, with a different approach than to go in there guns blazing. Right. Cause it's, it, it, and I know that maybe that's a weird example, but it's very much part of what we do is, we are managing and working with a lot of different relationships and personality types that we didn't always choose. We inherit a lot of them. And we really represent, it's not about us. We represent the, the client and like the owner's best interest. I mean, I would say at all costs. And when we see someone that's trying to like mess with that or, do something that's going to mess with the design integrity. It becomes, I, you know, I probably take it a lot more personal than, than I should. So learning to manage that has been something that I'm, I'm proud of. I've gotten I've, in, in the past, like few years, it's definitely something that I've gotten a lot better at. Um, and it's the way to do it really is just by setting expectations early in the project, you know? Yep. And you, and your work and everything that we've talked about is definitely a testament to, uh, you know, how you've shaped and molded that over the years. And so uh, great stuff. And, and the conversation we've had has been awesome. Um, as we kind of come to a, a close here towards the end of the conversation, we always like to ask, um, you know, what is exciting to you about, um, you know, the future of this industry, uh, you know, of what, how you're involved in the industry, what are some exciting um, new things on the horizon for your team or, or just in general, what, what about the future is, is uh, on your mind and excites you? So I will say, I'm going to bring it back to the COVID thing because I'm, 
a year ago, I was flying with a friend to London to go see Badly Drawn Boy, uh, one of like our favorite musicians. We flew to London for like 48 hours or something. And then I would probably come back on a Tuesday and try to make a client dinner on like a Wednesday night. And, and this has forced me and maybe, and I think a lot of people to slow down. And I'm really excited to see what is on the other side of this. I've spent more time with my family and more time with my son and my daughter in the past year than I probably would have. And it's been really, really nice. And I, I'm looking forward to a, more of a balanced life for all of us and like the ability to like maybe slow down and appreciate things. And it just seems like we've all had to learn to be a lot more patient and patience, patience is something that it can be taught and it can be learned. And a lot of times, usually, usually it's, it's, it, you're forced to learn to be patient. <laughs> I think a lot of us have, and I guess I'm looking forward to the, to what that's going to be like. And I think that it design is going to be a big part of that with the way that we stay in hotels and the way that we check in and the way that we order our food and the way that we get together with friends. I think that we will all have to just be a lot more patient and, uh, and balanced and intentional with our choices. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that for myself and I think for, for everyone. Well said. I could sit here and talk to you all day, but uh, <laughs> we will wrap it up for the episode's sake. Cool. How could people find out more about you guys? So yeah, if you just uh, go to our website, which is patricktownsonddesign.com and I'm pretty sure there's a spot to, there's some cool videos on there, kind of what a day in the life at PTD's office is like. And then we have a newsletter. Um, obviously we're on Instagram and Facebook and um, yeah, follow us there. And there's probably Instagram is probably the, the most up to date usually, but we're pretty good about keeping our, ups- our uh, website up to date and sending newsletters on, you know, monthly. So check us out there and you can always uh, shoot me a note that way. Okay. Excellent. Thank you so much for taking the time and keep up the good work. We're excited to see what, what you guys do. Well, thank you for the time. I appreciate the opportunity. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Future Hospitality Podcast. If you enjoyed today's topic and episode, please leave us a review. You can also find us on Instagram at Future Hospitality and on Facebook by searching for Future Hospitality. 